This is the Accidentally Intentional Podcast. I'm your host, Zoe. I hate small talk, and I'm ready to have meaningful conversations that build us. Let's go. Welcome back, everyone, to the Accidentally Intentional Podcast. And I am excited because I am joined by my friend, Kels Johnson. Don't say hi yet. I'm about to give you an intro, Kels. Okay. He's like, he's laughing in silence. Okay. So here's the deal with Kels. He happens to be my friend, but he's also a very dynamic communicator. He's an amazing singer and he's a preacher. And uh, Kels, what don't you do? Honestly, you're like the a Yankee, you know, <laughs> like just stack the deck with all your talents. It's not fair, but uh, I'm thrilled to have you here. Oh, it is so good to be here with you, Zoe. I am excited. You are one of the multi-talented uh, individuals that I know. So I love the fact that us multi-talenteds are about to have a conversation. That's right. It is game all the way on, my friend. Let's go. I have given Kells no forewarning for what we're about to talk about today. He doesn't even know the topic that we're going to discuss. And I'm excited about it because we'll see what the heck happens. Oh, my um, God. So, Kells, you... uh are in the faith sphere. That is your life. And you are now a newly, and how do I, what do I say? I was about to say newly minted pastor <laughs> Amplify Philadelphia campus. Let's just go with that weird title. Let's go with that. And, uh, but the thing is, you have not lived in Pennsylvania for a lot of your life. Correct. And I think a topic that we could get a lot of insight out of you uh, from is the topic of how to know that you're hearing from God and not your own mind. Ooh. And I think a good intro would be you sharing the story about how you moved from Texas mm -hmm. to Pennsylvania. So um, let's start there. Let's hear about this story and then we'll get into some nuance of that topic. Okay. Well, that's actually a great topic of conversation. Uh, my story is, uh, what was it? four years now, about four years ago, uh, my wife and I were living in Houston. I am a Houston native, uh, the great country of Houston. I mean, the great country, Texas, the great state of Houston. There you go. What That's say. where Beyonce is from, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> we know it's good then. Nobody knows that though. <laughs> uh, but so we were living there and, uh, I, I just felt this, this, well, I'll put it like this. So we would come up to Pittsburgh every Christmas uh, to spend time with my wife's family. And this one particular Christmas, uh, we were flying back into Houston. The plane touched the grounds of the, of the city. And I immediately felt the grace of the city lift off of me. And when I say that, I immediately felt like I'm about to move. Like this is about to happen. Like my, my time here uh, is done. And uh, a lot of the times for me, I'm a loyalist. So when I, when I connect to something, I'm loyal to it uh, so much so that I will ignore the voice of God uh, telling me to do something because I'm such a loyalist. And so like all cases, uh, I felt the grace lift, but I was attached to another ministry. And I was like, well, God, I can't leave because I'm doing X, Y, and Z in this ministry. So uh, I, I can't leave right now. I got it. What are they going to do without me? It's kind of like a pseudo pride. Like you're the only reason that things afloat when it, mm -hmm. God is like, no, 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 no. It's, it's me. And if I need to move you, then I need to move you. And, and the way that I know that it's the voice of God for me is when I don't listen, he starts to shut things down. He oh. start to, starts to close different doors. He starts to make different things 
uh, kind of shake up the pot, uh, if you will, to get my attention. And so that's what he did. He shut some things down. And then uh, I was at a church service and the pastor there gave me a prophetic word. He was like, Kel's God's about to get you out of here quickly. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Uh, and so he starts to preach again and service is going on. And then he comes back to me. He says, Kels, I don't know why I keep coming back to you. God just keeps showing me uh, you. He said, but I see you with a big winter coat on. It's like, I see you going somewhere cold. God's going to take you up north somewhere. Um, and in my mind, this is very, this is very important. In my mind, nothing came out of my mouth. In my mind, I said, New York City, here I come. I love New York. New York is my spirit animal of a city. <laughs> and so in my mind, I said, New York, here I come. And, and no sooner that I said that, the, the, the pastor turns around. And he says, no, it won't be New York. Oh. <laughs> I said, okay, you're not hearing from God. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and I was like, well, I know absolutely nothing else about the North. I know absolutely nothing else. And so I went home, make a long story short. I went home, told my wife, I said, this is what the pastor told me tonight. This was his words to me. What do you think about it? He said, it's not going to be New York. I don't know what else to tell you. I don't know anything up there. Um, and then I started thinking and looking at some things. I was like, well, what about Boston? I proposed to my wife in Boston. So I was like, oh, maybe Boston is the place to go. And she was like, no, I don't think Boston. Um, and it was actually my wife that said, what about Philly? I was like, Philly? I don't know anything about Philly except Will Smith and Neo Soul. That's it. That's I, don't, right. I don't know anything else in Allen Iverson. That's it. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and I was like, okay, well, if it's Philly, then we'll see what the Lord says. And subsequently, after that moment, Everything around us just said Philadelphia. People we talked to were from Philadelphia. In Houston, movies that we kept watching all were based out of Philadelphia, not on purpose. It was just, oh my gosh, it just happened. Meeting people in coffee shops and at the car dealership, it just like Philly was everywhere. And the final straw was when we walked into Amplify uh, City Campus and we meet John Vescio. And the first thing he says is, we're looking for the Philadelphia campus pastor. And I knew then. I oh was my like, gosh. I was like, that's it. The, this is, this is a God thing. And so, yeah, that's, that was, that's kind of what led, led us to Pittsburgh and then wow. subsequently to Philly. Crazy. Okay. So there's a lot of things that I took down notes on as you're talking, yes. because from the very beginning, you said you felt something lift off of me. Mm -hmm. If, if someone is like newer in their faith, can you explain what that feels like and what you're what you're talking about? Um, so so I said I felt the grace lift off of me. And when I say the grace, everybody has a grace to do something. You have a an ability to just naturally do something, naturally feel something. And then when your grace lifts off of you, it it's kind of like the relationship changes. Mm. And so my relationship with the city changed. Mm. Um, it was no longer a place of home, which it still is home, but it was no longer a place of home, but a place of frustration because I was going against what I had been told to, to do. Mm. And a lot of times God will give us instructions 
and we don't listen to them. And then everything around us gets chaotic because we did not follow the instruction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like to tell people all the time, God is not obligated to cover you when it's your will. He's only obligated to cover you when it's his will. So and, good. You, and you always know when you're, when you're not in his will, because things won't be aligned. Mm. Stuff is just, is just going off the course. And so when it lifted, it was like a literal feeling like, oh God, this is a, the, the grace lifted, but a burden sat on me. Wow. Wow. And so I was like, dang, I don't, I can't shake this. I, I got to do what God is telling me to do. So, yeah. So you said it started to shut things down, but I think this is a tricky piece for other people. Uh, to define the difference between chaos ensuing and bad things happening, or can they sometimes be the same? How how do you articulate that? You know, it's nuance, uh, but a lot of times they are the same. Mm. A lot of times because uh, our obedience is, our situation is dependent upon our obedience. For instance, if I go buy a carton of milk, it has an expiration date already on it. My obedience to that expiration date ensures that I get the fresh possible tasting milk. But the second I operate outside of what the expiration date told me, mm. then I'm left with something sour. Mm-hmm. If I had to just listen to the expiration date in the first place, I'd be okay. And a lot of times that's what, that's what God will do. He will give you a word. And then he'll start to stir that thing up in your spirit. And we know when he starts to stir it up in our spirit, but because we don't know the factors on the other side of it, many times we just don't move. And so we're like, uh, I'm waiting on God. And God is like, I, I already gave you the word. Mm. You're, you're waiting on me to give you the plan. And I don't want to give you the plans. I, I just need to give you the word. And when you move on the word, I'll reveal the plans to you. Uh, and so because we don't move on that word, he has to shake us up a little bit to get our attention. And mm-hmm. sometimes it looks like chaos when really is he's just trying to get in touch with you. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's a really powerful story. And I think I want to talk about where it's not as obvious for people. Right. Yeah. And they're like, I think God told me something, but nobody is literally coming to their face, affirming it for them. Yeah. And I know that that circumstance aside, this happens to you all the time. We're like, yeah, God told me this because mm-hmm. you act, happen to have the gift of prophecy as well. Mm-hmm. So how would you, um, w- what are some first steps you think someone can do to be able to know whether it is God telling them something? Number one, does it align with his will? Mm-hmm. Anything God tells you to do will always be to advance the kingdom. If it has no kingdom attachment, it's probably not God telling you to do it. It's your own desires. It's your own motivations. Um, so it's, it's to know that it's God, you have to have a in-depth relationship with God, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you could call me from the balcony of our church. And the second I hear your voice, I know that it's you. Why? Because we have relationship. I don't even have to turn around because I know you called me. That's how you have to be with God. You have mm-hmm. to get so in tune with his voice um, through prayer, through reading, through listening, 
just mm-hmm. sitting quietly and listening to what God tells you and how he tells you. Um, and I'll even say even understanding his method of communication with you. Because oftentimes we're looking for God to speak in one way when he's actually dealing with us in another way. Right. You can look at uh, you can look at Elisha uh, when he when he killed the 400 prophets of Baal. Uh, and then God had to get his attention and he thought it was in the earthquake. He thought it was in the wind. He thought it was in the fire. He thought it was in the this. And it wasn't in any of that because God wanted to whisper to him. Mm. Right. So when you understand how God communicates with you. You can then decipher whose voice it is, because I know how I talk to me. Mm-hmm. I know what my own thoughts are. I know when they're just selfish. I know when they're just about me. And then I know when, oh, no, no, this is bigger than me. This is kingdom. This has, this has all to do with God's plan in the earth. And I need to follow that. You think that because you just said, I know when it's me. I think a lot of people struggle with that. So. Uh- how how are you able to learn when it is your voice? Do you think that's a component of self-awareness or that there's something more to it? Uh, it is a component of self-awareness. It's a component of who does it benefit? What's the mm. root? Who mm. gets glory out of this decision? Oftentimes, it, you when it's just you, you'll only see the benefits of it. When it's God, you'll consider what is going to come on the other side of this? Let's let's play that scenario out. Okay. Let's say that someone has to decide between two good things. Okay. In that scenario, how do you know what God is telling you to do? Let's let's say you've been in the word and obviously mm-hmm. the word is in like, Zoe, you need to move to LA because it doesn't say that in scripture versus Zoe, you need to stay here in Pittsburgh, like kind of things like that. Yep. What would you say if someone was in that scenario? Well, let's look at the, I'm a word guy. I love words. Yeah. So l- let's look at the two words. What's good versus what's God. Mm-hmm. And if, if you actually look at the word, the only difference between good and God is good decided to add an extra O to what God already was. And so oftentimes when we're trying to decide, the good thing is always something extra. God thing is always something simple. If God has given you an instruction, it's real simple. Just do this. But the good thing is like, oh, well, you could do this and you could do this. Oh, that'd be good. Oh, that'd be good too. Oh, I could do this. It's always something extra behind what is good mm. when the simplicity is found in what God said to do. Mm. So you have, you have to investigate what's, what's the, the surrounding uh, elements and the surrounding detail. Uh, so, so let's just say, um, let's just say you, you are struggling between go to LA versus stay in Pittsburgh. Well, I would do some investigatory work. What do you feel your purpose in life is? Mm -hmm. What, what, what do you feel like? What do you feel like God intrinsically created you to do? Mm -hmm. Uh, and then once we discover what that purpose is, then we ask, well, where would this purpose be best lived out? Uh, and oftentimes you can see the, the limitations of a thing more than you can see the possibilities of another thing. Hmm. And so okay. if, you, if, if it's hard for you to see the possibilities for another thing, 
you might be leaning into what God told you. Because if God told you to do it, it's bigger than you. There is no way that you can coerce it to happen. Mm. So case in point, Amplify Church was not the first church that was going to get me to Philadelphia. There was a church already here in Philadelphia that I had, I had already visited. I'm still friends with the pastor. And he brought me and Hallie down. We went to his church. It was amazing. They're dope. They're still doing great work. But in order to make that move happen, there was so much that had to try to configure together. Or we can, we don't have a position for you right now, but we can put you at the school and then you can work right here and then you can do this and you can do that. And then something in me was just like, that's you trying to make it happen. Mm. Mm -hmm. That's you trying to, trying to do it just because you felt like you heard God. Be patient. Don't finesse it. And then when I didn't finesse it, here comes Amplify. I think, I think that's an amazing word. Like, look for the simplicity because mm-hmm. that, is, that is true. I mean, very rarely does God make people jump through an American Ninja Warrior obstacle course when it comes to doing what he's asked you to do. 100%. Um, so I want to move on to boldness because you are someone who's extremely bold. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that you had to learn that and that it's just an overflow of you now, but someone who let's say they're walking down the street and mm-hmm. something hits them like, dude, that homeless person, why mm-hmm. do I keep, why do I keep staring at them? Like, this is not like, is this God? Is this me? Am I like in that moment, how have you trained yourself to be bold knowing that, you know what? Maybe it's not God. It's a daily journey. Honestly, it's, it's, there's no science to it. It's, you get moments to listen to the voice of God and you can either act on them or you can miss them. Mm-hmm. And you'll generally see the repercussions of missing a moment to do what the voice of God told you to do. And so because of that, again, goes back to learning how God speaks to me when I know it's God. I have to move on it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not me moving in my own strength. It's the work of God moving in me, the spirit of God moving in me, compelling me to uh, take the first step. And then it's kind of like Martin Luther King says, faith is taking the first step when you don't see the whole staircase. Mm-hmm. And so we walk by faith, not by sight. Uh, faith, uh, faith is insight, which, which, you know, from internal versus external sight being able to see with your eyes. So we walk by insight, mm. the faith that we know and believe God has called us to do a thing versus seeing the manifestation or the, the possibilities thereof. That's so great to give an example of that. Um, how how I became more bold in my faith. I had a conversation, um, geez, like five, six years ago with a, with a Hollywood producer, we were sitting down for coffee and he was telling me this story of how he heard God in a way that he would never forget Mm -hmm. aftermath. And, uh, he was picking up this guy who was in a band. He's like, Hey man, I'm so sorry. My car broke down. Are you able to like, take me to this party I got to go to afterwards. And he's like, yeah, sure. No problem. He, but he barely knew the guy. 
So he's mm. like, just doing this guy a favor. And he pulls up and it's Marilyn Manson's house. And this is one of his band members that he just drove there. And the wow. guy's like, come on in. And he's like, um, that's okay. Like, thank you. But no. Wow. And, uh, and it ended up being that the guy's car needed to be in the shop for a whole week. So he kept asking this guy, he's like, I'm so sorry. Like, dude, I'll pay you back, whatever. Can you drive me again? So like the next day he's driving him and this guy, the, the driver is a believer. So he mm -hmm. has like Christian music playing in his car, mm -hmm. but it was like kind of turned down lower. Cause he's like, I know the audience isn't right. this, but the passenger had said, wait, yeah, this is a dope song. And he's like, I'm sorry. What? He was like, wow. I mean, yeah, like we listen to good music too, no matter what genre it is. So right. the band member of Marilyn Manson had said this to him. And he said, in that moment, I felt like God was like, this is your opportunity. Yep. Tell him about me. Yep. And he stayed silent. And the next day, the guy died of a drug overdose. And he was like, wow. never again in my life will I not say something when God yep. tells me to say it? And like, obviously I'm like moved to tears just thinking about it now because yeah. hearing that story made me be like, never. Like there is literally yeah. life and death on the line on when the God line. tells you to do something. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I love your boldness because you live that out so not, not even it's like so frequently isn't enough. You're doing it in every moment of every day. Yeah, it's all it's I know everything you do is by asking for God's guidance and wisdom. And I think that's so cool and so powerful, but also an amazing challenge to us, because are we actually inviting God into every part of our day, knowing mm -hmm. full well he could change the plans mm -hmm. for us? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's definitely a big challenge for me. And I feel like it's a lot. It's a big challenge for others listening. And, and that's OK. But yeah. are you fighting? to hear and find his voice amidst all the other noise and amidst all your other desires yeah, is what is what the, the basis of it is. So you listen to God's voice. You think you hear it, you act on it. And what if you were completely wrong? Mm. So th th this is a funny way that I live my life um, when it comes to the voice of God. I say F it. <laughs> all right <laughs> i just triggered the whole what the pastor says now i have to put an explicit sign next to this thanks a lot kells right, right no um effort meaning i live my life fast fluid and flexible um so i move at the cadence of the voice of god but i'm flexible and fluid enough to say i don't have all the answers um, and so I may make a misstep because I'm human, but I believe even in my misstep, God has a great uh, GPS system that can always get us back on track from where we are. Um, and so I, I don't, I tend not to, I tend not to worry too much about making the wrong moves if I've got the right motives. Mm-hmm. If I've got the right motives to say, God, my heart is just to please you. My heart is to reach people. My heart is to share the gospel with people. That's that's at the end of the day. That's all that matters. Uh, there were there were oftentimes. Let's go to uh, David. Right. David, uh, the prop God tells the prophet to go uh, anoint, go to Jesse's house and anoint the next king. And 
The prophet brings, uh, tells Jesse to bring out all of your sons. Jesse brings out all seven of his sons and he leaves David in the field. Uh, the prophet gets excited because he's looking at these boys and they're strapping and they're good looking and they're handsome. And they're like, surely this is the one that you've anointed. And he tries to pour the oil and God literally defies gravity uh, because that's not what he said. And God literally tells him, do not try to anoint somebody that I didn't anoint, that I didn't mm. call. So in that moment, the prophet got it wrong, but he still had an assignment that he had to do. And so he tries to do this with all seven sons. But knowing that uh, God had told him what he told him is like, is there somebody else? And subsequently, Jesse had to go get David. David shows up. The oil flows. Right. And so so being a prophet does not mean you'll always be 100 percent accurate. It does mean you'll always be 100 percent sensitive. Mm. Uh, that's a that's a great point, because I I think this is a very tricky thing for a lot of people, because it's one thing to hear God for your own life. But mm -hmm. to hear God tell you something for somebody else's life is a little bizarre. Yep. yep. Quite frankly. And uh, I want to hear it from you because you do this oftentimes. How can someone know or or what's one identifying mark of like a red flag? Hey, by the way, that wasn't God. Mm -hmm. If someone's like, God gave me a word for somebody, like and you're like, this is what I need to say to this person. What's something that can make you pause? Like, ah, actually, if that were true, then this would happen and this isn't happening kind of thing. So I what I what I what I think is uh, when God gives a word to a prophet, that interaction between his word coming through the prophet and the prophet saying it to the person for confirmation should look a lot like Mary and Elizabeth. When Mary walks in the room pregnant with Jesus, Liz Elizabeth, that's pregnant with John, immediately felt something leap in her, mm. felt John leap in her because they, he had came in contact with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so every prophetic word should have something leap in you that says, that's right. That's correct. The spirit should always bear witness to the spirit. Uh, you shouldn't get a prophetic word. And it sounds like some outlier that you've never heard before in your life. There should be some correlating, uh, confirming factors around that word that says, this is it. This is the word. Of the Lord. So, so all the time when I'm prophesying, uh, I'm saying, does that make sense? Do, do, does, do you understand that? And, you know, people are, you know, are sometimes they're too, you know, weepy to give me an answer, but they'll like, yeah, whatever, whatever. So there mm -hmm. should be some sort of confirming nudge that God is saying, this is me. Love that. Now, someone could be listening and thinking like, the heck now this guy can tell me what's wrong with my life. Like I ain't about that. And, and this is kind of where I want to move with this Kels. Okay. This is a lot. There's a lot of power perceivably mm -hmm. that someone can hold. If they feel like God is telling them to do something, not do something, say something to somebody mm -hmm. else specifically in this very nuanced situation. How does one, let's say you were mm -hmm. using you as the example, how does pride not get in the way whenever people are looking at you and they're like man you know what kells is gonna give me a word because he hears directly from god how how does that work in your mind and 
Is there something different about you than other people or what is it? I deflect glory. Glory is a dangerous thing. Glory is what got Lucifer, Satan kicked out of mm. heaven. And when you start to drink glory, it quickly intoxicates you. Um, and so I deflect it. Every chance I get, I deflect the glory. It's not me. I, I, for me, I, I, I'm always amazed. I never treat it casual, common, usual. I'm always amazed when God speaks through me every single mm. time. Mm. And, I, and I know that he's going to speak accurately. But I stand in a, in a, in a, in a place of amazement to say, God, you are awesome. And when that is your heart posture, it keeps you from exalting yourself. It keeps you from getting puffed up. It keeps you from getting prideful. I understand. I've already come to grips and to terms with, I'm not that good. Mm-hmm. It's, it's of no grace of my own. Uh, I, I'm not smart enough. I'm, I'm not witty enough. Uh, uh, I'm not consistent enough. I'm not disciplined enough to even have this level of gifting be attributed to something that I could do. So all I'm going to do is just thank God that he even allows for it to happen. Wow. That's, that's so good. Okay. So that's pretty profound. And you keep referring to obedience, Kels. And I want to ask, why should we obey God? Why is obedience important in our lives. Like if we're just like, yeah, Jesus is cool. He saved me. There's this difference of like Jesus being savior and Jesus also being Lord. And I feel like obedience ties in with that Jesus is Lord because that changes how you act. But I'll kind of want to hear from your perspective, why is obedience such a fundamental element to faith? Obedience is the greatest form of trust. Mm. When I obey you, I'm trusting you to protect me. I'm trusting you to know what's coming. I'm trusting you to I'm trusting you to have the answers. And so I oftentimes say this, when I'm doing what God has called me to do, it's on him to make it work, not me. And I don't have to sustain it. I don't I don't have to I don't have to stay up stressing about it because it's not mine, it's God's. Mm. I'm just so God, if I'm doing what you called me to do, you've got to provide, you've got to make the way you've got to open the door. It's not on me. It's on you because you called me to do it. Uh, now that does not mean I'm not doing what he's telling me to do because he's going to navigate. He's going to direct my footsteps, all the things, but it's on him to make it happen and not on me. When I'm disobedient, I'm saying it's on me to figure it out. And I don't want to carry that. I don't want to have to figure that out. That's I, I've got enough going on in my head already. I'd much rather not have to figure out how to um, how to conjure up doing what I'm called to do, mm. as opposed to just listening to the voice of God and letting that be the determining factor of doing what I'm called to do. That's great. Do you think that um, obedience sometimes looks like just seeing one next step to take one small next step. Oh, obedience is always one small next step. It's always, it's always that it's not obedience. Isn't always some big thing. 
right? There's a scripture that says obedience is better than sacrifice. Mm. And oftentimes we're just trying to do, we're sacrificing so much we don't have to. Let's take it back. Bible. Uh, Cain killed his brother Abel because Cain himself made this big elaborate sacrifice to God that God never asked for. Mm. Abel was simply obedient. And God says this was the better sacrifice. And so Cain got upset because he had done all of these things, but he wasn't obedient. He had sacrificed Mm. all of his time, but he wasn't obedient. He had made this big grandiose presentation, but he wasn't obedient. And his brother did exactly what God told him to do. And his eyes was probably like, well, that sucks. That's whack. Like that ain't, that don't look better than mine, but he was obedient. So I'm I'm going to honor obedience versus your opinion. That's a whole sermon right there on how good it looks. Doesn't mean how much God is in it. Um, So we've talked a lot about hearing from God and Mm -hmm. Let's let's address the person who's like, you know what? I wish I could hear anything. My mm-hmm. brain isn't telling me anything. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm hearing from God. What should someone do if they're in that situation where they're like, it's just static on the radio over here? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I would I would start to dig deep into their lives. Normally, we don't hear good analogy. You said they're static on the radio. If they're static on the radio, it's because you're on the wrong frequency. Mm. It's not until you get into the right frequency that you can properly hear. Uh, and so I would start to question what, what's your, what is your prayer life like? How much time do you spend in the word of God? How much time do you spend meditating on the word of God? How much time do you spend listening versus asking? And that, that, do, are you comfortable with just sitting in silence? Yeah, because I, I that's a problem for me. So thanks for calling me up, my brother. Um, <laughs> you said you said meditate on the word. Mm-hmm. What what makes meditating on the word different than just reading the Bible? Oh, it's meditation uh, gets it in your spirit. Reading it just gives you information. Meditation helps you with the application. How does this apply? How, how does this fit into my everyday life? And when you meditate on the word, it gives you, a, it gives you something to fall back to, right? So scripture says, uh, I hide my word, hide the word in your heart that I might not sin against you. The only way you can hide it in there is if you meditate, is if you dwell on it every day, every night, and it becomes so uh, ingrained into your your being that you cannot pull away from it. That's what meditation does. It centers you. It, it, it clears out everything else, and it just keeps this one thing at the forefront of your mind. And so because this one thing is at the forefront of your mind, it dictates how you move. It dictates how you think, dictates Mm. how you talk. And so when you're meditating on scripture, scripture dictates how you move. It dictates how you think. It dictates how you talk. So that's why meditating is better than just reading it. It gets Mm. it into your spirit when you meditate Mm -hmm. on it. Which I I guess could be said, correct me if I'm wrong, but application is where that part plays in. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. 
uh, where would you suggest someone start reading in the Bible if they're just like, okay, well, let me get to the right frequency. Where is that? So I actually, somebody just asked me this question yesterday. Uh, there's five books of the Bible that you have to start with five of them. Sounds like a lot, but it's not Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. So the five gospels and then Acts is the birthplace of the church. Read those five because they reveal Jesus in a way that will allow you to identify him in the other 61 books. From Genesis to Revelation is the revealing of Jesus. And if you don't know his characteristics, if you don't know his lingo, if you don't know his mannerisms, if you don't know anything about him, you'll read something in Genesis and not understand that it was talking about Jesus. You'll read something in uh, Exodus and not understand that it was referring to Jesus. And so started the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts will help you understand uh, church, what, what, his, what his big thing was, was to establish the kingdom and build his church. Uh, and so th- that's, that's where my starting point would be. I love that. And to add on to that, I know that people are just like, well, like I pray, but you know, like I'm not hearing anything. Well, I mean, John 1, 1 says in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God, which means that mm-hmm. you are literally hearing from God when you're reading the Bible. So if nothing else, just spend some time with him by doing that. 100%. Well, I think this has been an utterly riveting conversation. My oh, friend, my friend. Amazing. Amazing. I love these kinds of talks. Do you have anything that we didn't discuss that you would love to impart upon the audience? Um, I'd just say stay sensitive. Mm. Stay open to hearing the voice of God mm. and figure out how he speaks to you specifically and individually and get into his word. That's where you'll find out the most about him. That's where you'll unlock the mysteries of what you're going through, because I can guarantee you that somebody has went through what you're going through in the word of God. And it's already been prescribed or described about how to get through that moment. So that's what I would say. I think that's an amazing way to end it. Kels. I love you, my friend. Thank you so much for being on the Accidentally Intentional podcast. Man, I love Kells, but I think I love his heart for God so much more. And if you'd like to connect with him, there's a couple different ways in which you can do so, which I'll have all the links in the description below. But the first is through Instagram at the Kells Johnson. He actually has a podcast with his wife called the Going Gray Podcast, and he has his own YouTube channel as well called Unapologetic TV. And if you live near Philadelphia and you're like, hey, I heard he's a pastor there. I want to check out his church, see how the church plant's going. Then you want to follow along at We Are Amplify Philly on Instagram. But now let's hit some takeaways. Number one, this was a heavy hitter. When Kel said, God is not obligated to cover you when it's your will. He's only obligated to cover you if it's his will. Number two, asking yourself, does this align with God's will or does this just serve me? Anything God tells you to do will always advance the kingdom. Number three, if it's just what you want, you'll often see only the benefits of it. But when it's God, you'll consider what is to come on the other side of it. 
Number four, distinguishing between a good thing versus a God thing. And I love where Kells went with this. A good thing usually always has something extra added onto it. But a God thing is just simple instructions to follow, to know whether he told you to do it or not. Look for the simplicity. Number five, oh, this one took me out when he said obedience is the greatest form of trust and that obedience is better than sacrifice. And number six, we concluded by talking about if you couldn't hear anything at all from God and a couple things that you can do to change the channel on that radio in the example that we used. You have to think through one, how much time are you spending praying and spending in God's word, reading the Bible, applying the scriptures to your life and listening in silence to hear God's voice. And then also Kells recommended reading the first five books of the New Testament, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, which are the four gospels, and then Acts, which follows right after it, to be able to understand God's voice and what Jesus actually said so that we're able to recognize, hey, that's definitely from him. Was there someone that came to mind as you were listening to this episode? Because if so, please share it with them. We're so passionate about this message and we want to give value to the people that would benefit from it. We drop a new episode every other Thursday, so be sure to subscribe to get the latest conversations. Oh, and one more thing. If you enjoyed this episode and this podcast, I would be so honored if you would leave a review. It helps us to better connect with the intended audience of this podcast by doing so. And I truly am so grateful for any amount of time that you choose to spend with me. Because trust me, I know how many options are out there and I do not take it for granted. Seriously, I just, wow, I just really appreciate you. And hey, I may not know your name yet, but let's change that. Connect with me on Instagram at Zoe Asher or on Twitter at Combos with Zoe. But hey, even if I don't know your name yet, what I do know for certain is that you're amazing. I love you. You have something that the world needs and you are always more than enough. So hey, we'll see you next time on the Accidentally Intentional Podcast.